I think this one is going to be interesting. Hey, guys. That reminds me of Goonies. Hey, you guys. Oh, my gosh. I got to watch that movie again. Anyway, tangents. This queen deep dive today, I want to preface it by saying this. This song, to some, is Queen's worst song. To some, it's tasteless, offensive, odd, way too bold. All of those things. In fact, at the time of the album The Game's release, critics were extraordinarily harsh on this number. And I suppose it's obvious why. (laughs) But here's the thing, you guys. I really like this song. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I enjoy this song a lot. There are moments that I think to myself, wow, this is, those lyrics, incredibly bold. Maybe some, maybe a little crass, some harshness. But the truth is, melodically and musically, oh, the guys are great in this song. You cannot deny the brilliance of the arrangement and the performance of this song, even if the message of it feels tone deaf or incredibly harsh. Just want to put that out there before we talk about this song today. Because yes, very strong opinions about it to this day. But they go on both sides. They fall on both sides. For the amount of people that say this is too much, It's too bold. You have those people saying, this is actually very well done. And if the message had been even just a little bit different, this could have been a single and it could have been a great one, potentially. So we have different opinions on both sides. And we'll get into all that today. This, of course, is dive number 87, track seven on Queen's album, The Game, their eighth album. And this is one of Freddie's numbers. This is another reason that I think this song has the edge and the tongue-in-cheek attitude it does. That's just it. This is supposed to be, based on sentiment I've read from the boys themselves, this is not supposed to be a terribly serious song. And of course, Freddie is the composer here of this pop rock rockabilly bluesy number. It's interesting that we just had a throwback vibe from him with crazy little thing called love. And here we also have a nod to styles of yesteryear. And the song I'm talking about today is of course, Don't Try Suicide. Right there, the word suicide. Incredibly heavy, right? Serious. You can't get around that. There's so much emotion behind that word, and for very good reason that whenever it's incorporated into a song, of course, the song gets a lot of attention, perhaps positive and negative. And this song was the B-side to Another One Bites the Dust in the U.S., which I think is an odd choice, if I'm honest. If I was going to pick another song from the game that was the B-side for Another One Bites the Dust, and I'd have to look at the whole list of single releases in front of me because I can't remember what was a B-side for other songs. Dragon Attack was the B-side to, oh, what was that, you guys? I have to go back to my records. I can't retain all this information. 
And that's right. So Dragon Attack was the B-side to Another One Bites the Dust in the UK, but why they didn't choose it as the B-side in the US for Another One Bites the Dust is beyond me. Because I, I think Dragon Attack would have done quite well as a B-side in the US, but that's just my opinion. So I think that's a very strange choice because this song, musically, yes, I think it's pretty genius, but it doesn't immediately jump out at you as this incredible choice for a B-side. And ideally, you want your B-side to not outshine the A-side, the actual single release, which in this case was Another One Bites the Dust. I just find this a very odd choice, that's all. We are at 135 beats per minute, so not too fast, not too slow either, but we're definitely not at the 160 BPM we were at with Roger's Rocket. Prime Jive, Prime Rib, the previous number. This is in a 4-4 shuffle beat and two keys, D major and G major. Don't Try Suicide, a almost humorous take on this very serious topic. It's bluesy verses, rockin' chorus, a very rockabilly bridge, sneaky bass, wonderful bass, if I'm honest. John consistently impresses me in this number. In fact, throughout every number on the game thus far, John jumps out at me a lot. There are also these Little Richard-esque piano moments. They come in bursts from Freddie. 50s vocal magic and style and flair from our front man. Freddie lays it all out with no doubt. His opinion is adamant. Don't try suicide. In fact, the boys all plead together in the chorus. Sans John, of course. Roger captures a tight, snappy drum sound accompanied by these perfectly placed claps. Brian clangs on jangly acoustic guitar and rocks on his red special. John impresses with that calculated poppy bass line. Oh, he just captures an attitude so fantastically well on his bass. And Freddie, on the piano, swinging from low and swooning vocals in the verses to assertive Brazen in the chorus? Clever juxtaposition, I think. Again, the arrangement of this song, the way it's performed, is what wins me over. We got a little bit of Elvis depth in there again, vocally from Freddie. But by the time the bridge kicks in, and we'll talk about this in detail, with that chiming, ringing piano and John's moving bass line, we're rockin'. In rockabilly style, the crashes, the craziness, the balance of call and response vocals from Roger, mostly on the left, Brian mostly on the right, during the verses, it's a great production move. So despite the context of this song and those dark edges it smooths with its slick arrangement, this is tight and polished in its performance. Had the lyrics been given a different message, yeah, I think this might have succeeded as a single entirely on its own. It's that pristine in its production and clever arrangement. And it's quite complex. The number of times it shifts, the minimalism, the starkness of the arrangement that bursts out in the bridge 
Again, that wonderful contrast. It's another great example of the boys exercising restraint at the perfect moments to allow the impactful climaxes to shine, right? We didn't get that a lot. In the early days, Queen was more, more, more when it came to production and performance. Everything was over the top, bombastic and loud. But we've seen them reel it in from time to time. And I think this song, Don't Try Suicide, is a terrific example of that, of the guys understanding when less can actually be more. Never performed live. And probably because despite the somewhat humorous take here, the guys were fully aware of the sentiment around this song and that it might be just a little bit too edgy, questionable to perform it in a live setting. Would I have loved to see it, hear it? Yes. I think this would have been, especially the bridges where the guys are rocking harder, I think this would have been a lot of fun as a live number. But yes, it's a delicate message that I think you need to approach with sensitivity. So this was supposedly written for Freddie's former lover, David Minns. And I guess they parted pretty bitterly, but they eventually reconciled later. And I've read comments from David Minns. I think it was David Minns himself. I've read speculation about the truth of that, that Freddie was inspired to write this after David Minns did something after they, they broke up and something happened and it was tragic. And David alluded to Freddie essentially taking himself out of the equation and was it a manager or an assistant was the one to contact David to say it was over. So there was a lot of bitterness there for a time. And this is David's own words. And David assumed that this song was perhaps a response to what transpired after that emotional breakup. Now, I always take that kind of stuff with a grain of salt, especially when you don't get a chance to hear from both parties. Because I couldn't find any examples, any, any snippets of interviews where Freddie himself spoke about this song. In fact, the guys, for the most part, didn't say much about this song, and there might be a reason for that. So take from that what you will. But I, I do think that, yeah, there are, and we'll talk about the lyrics in particular in detail as we go through the song later here, but there are lyrics that kind of make you go, wow, that is, yes, ultimately the message and in the chorus is don't try suicide, but there's also a spin on, if you think it's just the easy way out, it's just a selfish thing to do, and why would you do that, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a positive spin to this, but there's also a very heartless attack in this. And I think that's what divides people. Because you have our narrator, Freddie, is telling us, along with the guys, of course, as they sing backing vocals, that, yeah, don't do this. It's not a good idea. But, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're going to do this because you're so selfish. You know, that's, that's kind of the contrast of opinions we have here. Oh, another fun fact, you guys. Snoop Dogg sampled the intro of this song in his own song, Six Minutes. It's so obvious. It's right at the beginning. As soon as you hear the intro to Don't Try Suicide and you hear the intro to Six Minutes, you're like, oh, there's Queen right there. But... I don't think a lot of people realize that's actually Queen. And you hear Freddie 
doing the count off to Don't Try Suicide. So just a fun little fact for you that Snoop Dogg sampled Queen in his song. I did mention that the guys didn't really speak about this number, but Roger did in his 1980 interview with Sounds. He said, and I think this says everything, so just listen up, quote, don't try suicide, says just that. And I quite like that one. It's funny. You should never read the lyrics without listening to the album at the same time, you know. It isn't prose, and they're not poems. Unquote. Roger is making it very clear <laughs> that this song is not to be taken too seriously. And he makes an excellent point. When you read the lyrics alone, the sentiment, the perspective is entirely different when you hear the lyrics with the music. The music is clever. The music is sneaky. The music has some attitude and swagger, as we would expect. So that changes the way this song feels entirely. It's like when you listen to a song and then you watch the video and you know how it totally changes your perspective. Whenever an artist comes out with something new, even if I'm all about the artist, I love them. I can't get enough of them. I like to listen to the music alone first because if I watch the video the same time I hear the music and the song for the first time, I'm never going to get to experience that song in my own way. I'm always going to have this forced opinion what I should think and feel because of something I saw. And I think the same concept happens when you read lyrics and don't listen to the music along with them. Now, that being said, I am absolutely that person. When I get a CD or an album and I have the album booklet in front of me, I like to peruse the lyrics before I listen to the music because it gives me a taste, it gives me a teaser. But I'm also very careful not to misinterpret the lyrics because I know, not just as a songwriter, but I know from listening to so many songs and so many different artists over the years that you cannot take lyrics at face value. You have to listen to them within the song. And I think once you do that with Don't Try Suicide, it becomes obvious because of the attitude and the swag and the little bit of dramatization, that drama that's given to us from Freddie. And as I said, he swoons deeply, a little bit like Elvis might in his lower range. And then we get some harder, harsher, brassier tones from him at full chest voice in a higher, at a higher level. Sorry, not a higher level, higher notes. It just changes the way the song feels entirely. So I'm glad that Roger pointed that out, but I'm also glad that he specifically says, oh, I like that one. It's funny. And I think this also goes back to, I don't think I've ever talked about this on my podcast. The Brits and the Americans have two very different senses of humor. That's not to say that we don't laugh at or enjoy the same things, but I specifically remember my mom, okay, because we lived in the UK, you guys, for a few years when I was really little. I learned to talk over there, which I think is another reason that I connect with certain British things in some unique ways, but I was very young. My mom was in her 30s when we were there, and she told me it took a little while to get used to the shows. 
and the soap operas and everything and how the tone was because it's different. It's a very dry sense of humor. It's just different. And I think that also is a little bit of a culture shock. So when you see a lot of comments from people saying, you know, they take the lyrics at face value and they don't like the song, they hate it. And I'm not saying that's wrong. You have every right to the opinion you're going to have about this song. But I think part of that is having a different sense of humor and having a different idea around what this means and also having a different experience, perhaps, unfortunately, with suicide. And I want to go into that a little bit more. (sighs) Let's just do it now. I was going to do it later, but I think I want to do it now. You know what? Let's hold off, actually. I have a better idea. (laughs) Sorry. I want to do it after I get into the critique here, and I'm not far from it. But I do want to go through the comments from critics first. And I mentioned how hard on this song publications were at the time. Rolling Stone, the usual, this does not surprise us, quote, it's a basic rocker in which the singer has to sound worried and concerned, has to sound worried and concerned. Mercury brandishes a full array of mid-50s vocal hiccups, but the best he can do is seem a bit pissed off as if the biggest crime of the impending suicide is that it's going to bug Freddie. Moments like this make you wonder if the old queen are really dead after all, unquote. Now, opinions aside, Tell me that's not harsh to write something like that, to essentially call a band's career dead in the water over one song. And before I even go on, I want to talk about a song from another artist I love that has nothing to do with this one, but I think there's similar opinions around it, okay? Dido. Dido, I love Dido. I've loved her for over two decades now. I mentioned this before. I got to see her in 2019 at the Showbox in Seattle. I got to meet her. She was amazing. Humble as anything. Loved her. She was great. She performed well. Her newest album, Still On My Mind, has a song on it called You Don't Need a God. All right? Now, as a believer myself, when I read the song title, and keep in mind, I love this woman. I love her work. I generally speaking, love her as a person. I just think she's great. After all this time, I just think she's wonderful. So to see that title, I'm like, whoa. And then I read the lyrics and I'm still like, whoa. And to me, I probably reacted to that song the way some Queen fans might've reacted to Don't Try Suicide. What in the world is happening here? But what Dido's actually saying, and you don't need a God, is she gets this high from things like music where she's in a moment and it doesn't take a spiritually moving thing for her to feel it intensely, if you, if you know what I'm saying. And I understand that. Now, for me, we have things like music because of God. That's my sentiment around it. But at the same time, I still understand what she's saying is you don't have to have this eclipsing spiritual 
foundational moving moment of awakening to feel like you're experiencing something that intensely and that moving and that monumental is what I think she's saying with that song. And I think she spoke to that song as well. She talked about the intentions with it. And suddenly you understand, okay, even if that phrase, that title is offensive, there's a reason behind it. And I can get with that and I can understand it. So anyway, when I think about this song, I think about that one a little bit and how I reacted to it and how, you know, there must be other fans who, yeah, of Queen are like, oh my goodness, don't try suicide. And actually the title on the surface is an encouraging one. But when you read the lyrics, that's the moment that you go, wow, Freddie, what is happening? But again, I think context is important and I'm still, wow. Well, okay. This was Rolling Stone. I guess I'm not really all that surprised that they would write that about anything queen. Not at this point. And I'm going to take a sip of water. Okay. Oh, I also feel the need before we move on to emphasize that queen was not dismissing suicide as a casual thing. And in fact, Roger wore a t-shirt that was a Wham t-shirt that was part of their no drugs, no suicide movement, Wham. The t-shirt says, choose life. Roger wore it in, I think it was their Hammer to Fall video and maybe some performances as well. So anyway, Queen's sentiment around suicide is not a casual thing. I just want to emphasize that. This song aside... (laughs) which is supposed to be humorous in its delivery, does not summarize their thoughts around the subject. Washington Post was rough on this too. Quote, don't try suicide, a combination of everything, is a complete show of stupidity. It has lead singer Freddie Mercury saying, don't put your neck on the line, don't drown on me, babe, blow your brains out. Don't do that. Yeah. After five years of unchallenging, dismal albums, this was supposed to be Queen's comeback, but no such luck. Unquote. Very, very harsh. And I have a feeling, I just have a feeling, that when these words were snatched out of this song, that perhaps Washington Post didn't even listen to the song. I just have a feeling. Now, maybe I'm wrong because they did say it's a combination of everything. So actually, okay, I take that back. Right there, they're saying they listened to the song and they still find it horrible. And I'm especially offended at the statement of five years of unchallenging dismal albums. What? Excuse me? You're calling News of the World terrible. I don't get it. I know jazz was pretty polarizing, called fascist by some publications, but news of the world? Okay, you are entitled to your opinion, as always. And some listeners, yeah, rip this apart, calling it insensitive, callous. If it's true Freddie was inspired to write this because of his bitter end with David Minns. That's, as some have said, it's a pretty harsh move. I'm not going to lie. Even if there's a humorous spin to this. And here is where I want to talk about some fan sentiment that is definitely worth noting in this case. I've 
picked apart the Queen's subreddit on Reddit to find people's opinions about this song. And they're very, very polarized. Huge contrast between the two. And what's interesting is there are plenty of people in both camps that either contemplated suicide or had an experience with it with a family member or someone that was very serious. Okay, so this just goes to show that you can go through the same thing, but interpret something in an entirely different way. So you have the people that they find this very, very difficult to take in and listen to because for obvious reasons, it's very divisive. You know, it causes dissension a lot. And I think what I found in that camp was a lot of those people had experienced suicide because of someone close to them that in some cases actually went through with it. So this song was a difficult thing to listen to because of that. There were people who had considered it themselves that didn't like this song. But when you look at the other side, the people who do find this humorous or find it liberating or find it encouraging and lighthearted in a way that for them was helpful, there were also people who had thought about suicide or who knew people that had. And I found that very interesting that this stark contrast of interpretations of this song, depending on their experiences and the general feelings and thoughts around those experiences. It's fascinating how we experience things so differently from one person to the next. We can go through the same kind of situation, but how we take it in and how we process it and how we come through it is so vastly different. Yes, I'm getting into super deep human psyche stuff here, but I found those opinions very enlightening and very interesting on the subreddit. But I will tell you this, I did see more praise for this on the subreddit than criticism, which I also thought was interesting. And most people, when they praised it, yes, they specifically focused on the baseline, gets attention, the groove gets a lot of love, but they also did in some instances, people said, you know what? I like the lyrics. I like it because I was there and I felt like I might take my own life. And I got past it. And I read a few comments where people said, I listen to this all the time and I quite enjoy it. But there are those, yeah. At the same time, they can't do it. They can't listen to it. They find it awful. But even if fans aren't into the lyrics, they do dig the vibe. It's just interesting that people find it humorous and even helpful. Those former suicidal listeners that claim it makes them laugh and helps them feel lighter after those heavier times behind them. And some fans have theorized that maybe Freddie himself had thoughts of suicide and wrote this song for himself. In my opinion, I can't hear that. Perhaps it's true, but when I listen to his delivery and, oh, those lyrics, those tongue-in-cheek lyrics, I don't get that from this, but that's just my opinion. 
so much interest in this song, right? You wouldn't think it when you first hear it and listen to it, but such a complex number in both musical and lyrical composition. Count off. A one, two, three, four, one. Syncopated claps. Claps! Again, this is like the album of claps. Crazy little thing called love. Another one bites the dust. Claps. I never thought about it before, but the game is Queen's clapping album. And then that casual, yeah. That yeah. Okay, so a little fun thing for you guys. There is a song, technically a song, much later in Queen's catalog that samples a previous song. And I've read that it's actually a yeah delivered in action this day that Freddie sang. But others have said it's the yeah here or a yeah in Don't Try Suicide. I'll have to listen to it and pick it apart. And I will when I get to that dive. Trust me. Anyway, back to Don't Try Suicide. John. Oh, John, this is luscious. This is wonderful, his bass. Bluesy bass. Chromatic upswing notes. Clanging guitar. It's fabulous. It goes like this. Dun, 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 dun. ching Oh, it's catchy. And then Freddie. Okay. <laughs> More reverb. And those hi-hats. Don't do that. Everything unison with that phrase. In fifths, this musical conversation. And as it repeats, it builds the piano joins. Dun, 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 dun. Bass drum, cymbals. Suddenly, key change chorus. Don't try suicide. Nobody's worth it. Okay? Listen to the piano here. Interesting chord changes. The acoustic guitar supports it, as does John's bass. And oh, the syncopation. And hearing the minimally layered backing vocals of Brian and Roger. It's different. It's fun. Constantly, my ears wander to them. They're both in both speakers throughout the song when we hear them, but we've got more Roger on the left and Brian on the right. And sometimes it's quite fun. I will actually remove one of my earbuds or my headphones to listen to one more prominently. And I've done that for both of them. I don't know, something about this song, I love to pick it apart. This is not the first time I picked this song apart. I've done it over the years of, as I've listened to this. It's just a fun little... I love being a musical scientist and picking this song apart. And then we're into the verse. I can't sing it as low as Freddie does, so I'm going to do this. So you think it's the easy way out. But Freddie, it's an octave lower. What? Suddenly we're in a bit of low Elvis delivery territory again. He's giving us such a dynamic range and tone, and we hear it already vocally. His delivery, his vocal performance is spot on in this song, as it always is. This is a really fantastic vocal performance. That intro melody arrives again with the verse. We're in Dorian mode, by the way, for you music theory enthusiasts. We've got the tonic, a flat third, a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, flat seventh. So the bluesy thirds and without the second degree, that is Dorian mode. The lyrics, though, okay, I know. It's pretty brash. 
in your face. The verse ends with, when you do it, all you do is get on my tit, and I'm not going to finish that word. Yep. And this is what leads us to assume that this is supposed to be tongue-in-cheek and silly, even if the message is ultimately an encouraging one. Don't try suicide. But I do love this arrangement. And Roger's symbol work. <gasps> Don't do that. Don't do that. You got a good thing going now. That's a good lyric right there, right? That's an encouraging thing to say. Don't do it. You've got so much that's going good for you. There's a brief moment of piano hard panned to the left on that phrase before it arrives in the center again at the end of the phrase. These are the touches, those production touches that make this song so brilliant. Indeed, it's what makes so many Queen songs so brilliant. Don't try suicide, nobody cares. And again, I'm hooked on these vocals. I can't help it. I always sing along. And thus begins my favorite part after this next chorus here. The core of the song, the bridge. And this is that Little Richard-esque rockabilly spice. Oh, it's so good. You need help. Look at yourself. You need help. Yeah, yeah. Triplet arrangements there. I think there's a little bit of Roger and Brian too. Aside from Freddie's fabulously strong, clear delivery, there's a lot happening here. A lot of things going on. The piano, pounding away. Roger's riding the hi-hat. John doing all kinds of magic on his bass. It's probably his best moment in the track. And then these lyrics, this gem here. So don't hang yourself, it's okay, okay, okay. Okay, everything, once again, in unison on these syncopated phrases. Triplets. And the second notes... So we have the notes, there's, a, there's a, a section of the vocal going, okay, okay, but there's also, okay, okay. So there's this, yeah, there's a whole step between those two notes and it's a wonderful contrast. It creates a tension, a hesitation. It's perfectly aligned with the rhythm, that gentle shift into the triplet. This next moment, it's actually another verse. But aside from vocals and claps, there's no instrumentation. The genius of this. It's fabulous, totally different than the previous verse. A little bit of tension. You got it. Need some affection. You got it. Hey, and again, Brian and Roger balance us on both sides. Freddie, vocal hiccup. <laughs> this is what Michael Jackson was so good at doing too. This is a throwback vocal style. Repeated words. Suicide, 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 bit, yeah. Various harmonies, seemingly improvised moments that keep it interesting. But this next part, I do love it. This slide in. Suicide. The harmonies there. So many lush harmonies there. Rich, smooth. There's a moment. The end of this phrase, Freddie pleads, don't do it, don't do it, don't. Pause. Do it! And some speculate this is a twist on words, as if Freddie's actually telling the listener to do the very thing he's singing about. It reminds me a little bit of Willy Wonka. 
stop. No, don't come back, right? There's a little bit of that double meaning going on there. But suddenly, Brian burst in lyrically on electric guitar. And with the previous rocking piano and John's bouncy bass, Brian gives all that jiving attitude to us. There I go saying that word jiving all the time. Double stops on his guitar. And those seconds again on those harmonies. Da, 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 da. It's great. But one more verse, one more time. That clever, sneaky stuff. Don't put your neck on the line. And the next lyric, there's something else going on when Freddie sings. Is that the bass? I turned it up really loud in my ears and I still couldn't figure it out. Is someone else singing? I cannot tell. But that cymbal work with the claps again, genius. Don't do it, don't do it, don't. One more chorus. Such a clever song that raps with a drum roll. Oh, but nope. It fades out. That intro we heard, the verse melodies, Roger's tricks on percussion, they carry us out. And that is Don't Try Suicide. I know, it's an interesting one. A fascinating song from one of our favorite bands, isn't it? A very polarizing one, but I think, again, the musical arrangement of this song, even the way it's performed vocally, is so well done. I don't think it's tasteless. I don't think it's too harsh, but that's just me. I kind of love it. I kind of dig it. And I hope you do too. I hope there's something about it that catches you and you enjoy it for what it is. Freddie Mercury's Don't Try Suicide. It's fun to sing it. I'm not going to lie. But on that note, I do think ultimately, the message of this song is a good one. And if times are tough, I hope you take that to heart. Because I've talked about worth. You guys, I've talked about what your worth is on other episodes of my podcast. It cannot be measured. You mean more than any one person could ever say or express. No matter what people say, no matter what this world says, okay? Please remember that. And I suppose it's very fitting for me to say my sign-off, another song, the first song in Queen's catalog, Keep Yourself Alive. I'll be back next time. Probably another Queen Deep Dive. We're getting so close to the end of the game. And I'm already anticipating the next album, actually, because, well, it's a special one. I'll talk about why. It's going to be a set of unique deep dives for me. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy, and all that jazz. Enjoy the jive. I'm just going to start saying that all the time now. <laughs> now that I know it's, I say it enough already, but I need to say it more and bring it back because I think it's a cool word. All right, guys, jive on, shine on, and I'll talk to you again. <laughs>